0: I'm not going to give you a particular passage of Scripture tonight. We're going to be looking at various verses of the Bible, especially from the book of Proverbs, in dealing with this very important theme of effective communication. And I'm only going to cover part one this evening, or this afternoon, and then next Sunday afternoon, I'll cover the second part, part two because it's just too much to squeeze into one message so our series we're continuing then Marriage and Family Effective Communication let us go to our Father in prayer Heavenly Father thank you for your grace and your mercy even in our trials thank you that you draw nectar from this ugly flower that you give good things sweetness in our bitterness Lord and that you are the great encourager and the great father of grace and the father of strength to support and sustain us and we pray that tonight you will speak to us from your most holy word and then help us to obey the scriptures in Jesus name, Amen Jay Adams, he was a biblical counselor, actually the guy that brought biblical counseling back onto the map. He died just last year. But Jay Adams tells a story of a couple who came for counseling and they had very serious issues in their marriage. And one of the issues they came for and they wanted counseling for was sexual problems. And so as they... Uh, came to the counselor he diagnosed the problem asked them a lot of questions and eventually saw that there's a breakdown in communication in this marriage so he gave them homework and they had to go home and work on this issue of communication and start applying the word of God and then after a few weeks or really months they would come back or they would uh, start dealing with the other issues, uh, especially the problem uh, of sexual issues in their marriage, sexual problems. And so they dealt with the communication issues, they did their homework, they did it well, and after a couple of months came back and said, listen, it's not necessary to, to counsel us on the sexual problems anymore. That's sorted out. I want to say to you that almost... Every problem in a marriage, in a family, can be taken back to that issue. You can go all the way back and follow the line, and you'll see there was a breakdown in communication. And that's why you've got issues where where couples fight about money, or about sex in marriage, or about the discipline of the children, or about family worship, or about whatever, Because of communication. People don't speak as God wants them to speak. They don't communicate as they ought. Or their communication is all crooked and twisted and wrong. So what are the biblical principles for communication? These principles that will help you to have a happy marriage and a happy family. Well, first of all, start with your heart. Number one. Start with your heart. So we're going to look at at least four different commands and principles this evening, and next week we'll look at five more, or six more perhaps. So start with your heart. Paul Tripp, also a biblical counselor and conference preacher and speaker, pastor. And Paul Tripp tells the story of when he was a kid, they were at a family reunion on his mother 's side of the family, and he said those uncles and and aunts that part of the family they always had too much alcohol they got drunk at these occasions and On that occasion, what his mother did is she went, she greeted the family, and before anyone before the drinking started, she would take the kids and go home. But on that particular day, one of the uncles had already gotten drunk and he started making sexually perverse remarks about the woman in the room, the woman present. And so Paul Tripp's mother grabbed him by the hand and grabbed the brother by the hand, uh, the, Paul's brother, and took them to the car and left. And when they got into the car, she said to the boys, Boys, there's nothing that comes out of a drunk that wasn't there in the first place. So whatever comes out of his mouth... It was there in the first place. The alcohol just loosens the lips. And she's right. She was right. Because our words come from the heart. Solomon says in Proverbs 4, and uh, if you could just keep your Bible open at the book of Proverbs. Proverbs 4, verse 23. Keep your heart. The heart speaks of your whole inner man, your whole spiritual man, your soul, your spirit, your thoughts, your mind. So keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow, flow the springs of life. Put away from you crooked speech, and put devious talk far from you. So where do the wrong words come from? They come from a twisted and a crooked heart. Proverbs 10, verse 20. The tongue of the righteous is choice silver. The heart of the wicked is of little worth. Look at the opposites, tongue and heart. So he's trying to say all your words... Uh, What is on your tongue comes from the heart. Proverbs 18, verse 4. The words of a man's mouth are deep waters. The fountain of wisdom is a bubbling brook. Where do these words come from? Where do these streams come from? They come from the fountain, and that fountain is the heart. Or Jesus in Matthew 15, in verse 19. We read the following where Jesus gives the same Biblical principle in speaking of the heart and then words that flow from the heart. Jesus says, For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness and slander. So these things come from the heart. So in order to have good communication, if you want to communicate rightly, you need a new heart. Proverbs 15 verse 26 The thoughts of the wicked are an abomination to the Lord, but gracious words are pure, meaning these words come from a pure heart, from pure thoughts. Ezekiel 36 verse 26, God must remove the heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. You need a changed heart. You need a new heart if you want to communicate biblically. So acknowledge your sin. If you're not communicating in a biblical way, acknowledge your sin. And then ask the Lord to cleanse you and cleanse your heart through the blood of Jesus Christ. As David prayed, create in me a new heart, O Lord. Renew a right spirit within me in Psalm 51, verse 10. Uh, Or in 1 John 1, verse 7, the blood of Jesus, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. Or verse 9, if you confess your sins, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So ask the Lord to cleanse your heart, to create a new heart, to purify your heart. And then you start filling your heart. You start filling your minds with the word of God by memorizing it, by meditating on the scriptures, thinking it over and over, praying through it, reading the scriptures, listening to the preaching of God's word. Like Psalm 119 verse 11 says, I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Or in Philippians chapter four verse eight, where Paul writes about what, we, what, what should be going on in our minds. Paul writes to this church and says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Fill your mind, fill your heart with truth, with the Scriptures, with God's Word, the Bible. And once you've filled your heart, whatever is inside will come out. Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Matthew 12 verse 34. The fountain just overflows. The heart is the fountain. It overflows and it pours over your lips. So listen to God's wisdom. Fill your mind and your heart with God's wisdom so you can communicate biblically. You see it in Proverbs 2 verse 2. Make your ear attentive to wisdom. Incline your heart to understanding. Or Proverbs 22, in verse 17 and 18. Proverbs 22, verse 17. Incline your ear, hear the words of the wise, apply your heart to my knowledge, for it will be pleasant if you keep them within you, if all of them are ready on your lips. So they they come from the lips. Why? Because you've listened. You've listened to God's wisdom. You've hidden it in your heart. Proverbs twenty-one verse twenty-eight. Just the second half says the word of of a man who hears will endure. The word of a man who hears, you listen to God's word. So if you wanna if you want to communicate better, but you you're just trying to apply some principles, or here's a list of ten things you can do to be a better communicator and to communicate biblically. It's not going to work. It's not going to work if you're just talking better. The heart must change. Otherwise, you're like a parrot who can quote Bible verses. It's all in his mouth. It doesn't come from the heart. And you'll be exactly like that. Oh, you're communicating. You're saying the right words, but it's not from the heart. You're not a changed person. Like we see in Proverbs 26, verse 7 and verse 9. <clears throat> we read wisdom is too high for a fool in the gate he doesn't open his mouth well that's twenty four sorry twenty six verse seven like a layman's legs which hang useless is a proverb in the mouth of fools, or nine like a thorn that goes up in the hand of a drunkard is a proverb in the mouth of fools it just doesn't work or verse twenty three to twenty five uh, like glaze covering an earthen vessel or fervent lips with an evil heart. Whoever hates disguises himself with his lips, harbors deceit in his heart. When he speaks graciously, believing not, there are seven abominations in his heart. Your heart has not changed. But you're speaking, trying to speak right words. It won't work. In other words, the, uh, uh, it's, not making, it's not making any change in your life at all. You're just parroting the words exactly like a parrot. So, that's number one then. Start with the heart. Number two, learn to listen. There was a Greek philosopher called Zeno of Citium. And Zeno, uh, 300 years before Christ was born, Zeno said, we have two ears and one mouth so that we can listen twice as much as we speak. So, that's a biblical principle. The Bible teaches us, James 1 verse 19, be quick to hear slow to speak, slow to anger. Quick to listen, slow to speak. And and we we should teach this to our children from a young age. In Proverbs 1 verse 8, My son, listen. 2 verse 1, My son. 3 verse 1, 4 verse 1, 5 verse 1, 7 verse 1. So over and over in Proverbs, My son, listen to me. Give me your ears. Be attentive. Listen, listen, listen. Proverbs 23 verse 12, Apply your heart to instruction and your ear to words of knowledge. He's talking to his son. Verse 19. Hear, my son, be wise, direct your heart in the way. 23 verse 22. Listen to your father who gave you life. Despise not your mother when she is old. 23 verse 26. My son, give me your heart. Let your eyes observe my ways. Listen to me. So we need to listen before you can talk. In order to talk well, you need to listen well. And that's going to help you. If you learn from your parents, if your parents teach you um, to listen well, and parents, I want to talk to you for a moment, you're going to help your children later on. You're going to help your children later in life to listen before they just talk. Because it's a fool that just talks. He doesn't want to listen. He just wants to talk. He just wants to give his opinion. Proverbs 18 verse 2. A fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his opinion. Or Proverbs 10 verse 8. The wise of heart will receive commandments, but a babbling fool will come to ruin. So the wise of heart listens. He receives commandments. He doesn't just talk. Wise people listen. Why? Why? Because they want to learn. Why? Because they don't want to repeat their mistakes. They don't want to want to repeat their errors. Proverbs 12, verse 15. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. Proverbs 15, verse 31 and 32. The ear that listens to life-giving reproof will dwell among the wise. Whoever ignores instruction despises himself. But he who listens to reproof gains intelligence. You learn by listening. Proverbs 19 verse 20. Listen to advice and accept instruction. Obviously that should be good advice. That you may gain wisdom in the future. And then in verse 27. Cease to hear instruction, my son, and you will stray from the words of knowledge. You, you, You stop being teachable, you're going to mess up your life. That's what he's saying. So the wise person, he wants to understand, what exactly are you saying? I want to understand what you're saying so that he can give a right response. The wise person doesn't want to be like a doctor who makes a wrong diagnosis or he gives you the wrong medicine because he made a wrong diagnosis. He told you you have flu and he gave you antibiotics for flu but in the meantime you've got some, some much worse illness and he can't treat it. Because he didn't make a proper diagnosis. Proverbs 18 verse 13, if you give an answer before you hear it will be your folly and shame. So you, you just want to give the answer to someone but you haven't properly listened to what they're saying. So i would give you some advice. If you want to listen properly to what someone is saying to the other person in your whether it's in marriage or family echo the person what I mean by that is listen to what the person says and then you echo the person all right you just told me this can I echo you so what you're saying to me is and then you repeat what the person said and then the person will say no that's not what I mean or the person will say yes that's exactly what I'm trying to tell you so when someone else is talking listen well. Don't, don't try to start to formulate an answer in your mind. You've already decided what you want to say. You're think you not listening. You're thinking, all right, what I'm going to, tell to say to this guy uh, now is this or that or one or the other. And don't assume that you understand what the person wants to tell you. Oh, I know what you want to tell me. No, you don't. Listen to what the other person is saying and listen right to the end. Let him, let him or her finish what they're busy saying, and then you give an answer. And then also make sure you've got all the facts. Don't just hear one side of the story, and then you come to hasty conclusions. Otherwise, you're going to be embarrassed, and you have to go back and say, I'm sorry. I didn't get the full story. Proverbs 18, verse 15. An intelligent heart acquires knowledge. The ear of the wise seeks knowledge. You want to understand. Let me listen. Let me listen. Let me gather all the facts. Verse 17. The one who states his case first seems right until the other comes and examines him. All right, wait a minute. Okay, now I've got the other side of the story. This is a different issue. Now I've got more facts. So do that from the start. Proverbs 25, verse 7, just the second half to verse 10. What your eyes have seen do not hastily bring into court. For what will you do in the end when your neighbor puts you to shame? Argue your case with your neighbor himself. Don't reveal another secret, lest he who hears hears you bring shame upon you and your ill repute have no end. So go and talk to the person. Get all the facts. Listen. And listen clearly. And listen closely. And give your full attention. Switch your cell phone off. Uh, Put your cell phone on silent. Put it in your handbag. Uh, Put it in your pocket. Don't take it out and keep you just... You're checking your phone but the person's talking. You're not listening. Switch the TV off. Put it off. Look the person in the eyes And in that way, you're showing that person what you're saying is important to me. Third principle for effective communication. Read between the lines. Now I'm going to explain what I mean by that. Research says, and I don't know how accurate this research is, I found it in a book, but um, anyway, I think it makes a good case and a good point. According to research, 55% 55% of all communication between people is nonverbal. Only 50, 45% is verbal. In other words, only 45% you actually use words. The rest of your communication is nonverbal. All right, so nonverbal communication, I'll explain that. Nonverbal communication is really a footnote explaining your words. So you've said something, but your body language, your facial expression, your volume, Uh, You speak with your tone of voice. All of those things come into play to say, what do you mean by those words? Let me give you uh, an illustration of this. So here's a sentence. A wife says to her husband, where were you? Her body language will tell you what does she mean by that sentence. For example, we visited people on a farm last year, end of last year. And the husband just disappeared. Uh, And his wife was looking for him. Where's my husband? Where's my husband? Everyone's having a good time chatting, visiting, drinking coffee and tea and cool drink and so on. But she can't find her husband. Eventually when he comes, about 40 minutes later, she embraces him. She hugs him. She says, where were you? And it was obvious. She was so glad to see him. Second example. When I was still living in Elstrait many years ago, the flat below ours there lived a husband and wife. And they had often fought, you would hear them shouting and cursing at one another and so on. And one one day the husband came home, I think it was an evening, and you saw the woman standing at the flat door with her hands on her hips and her face in a scowl of anger. And saying the words, Where were you? Now they said exactly the same words, these two women, to their husbands, but one, the body language, the tone of voice, the facial expression showed anger, and the other one showed, I missed you, I'm so glad to see you. And the Bible acknowledges the importance of nonverbal communication. Proverbs 6, verse 12 to 14. A worthless person, a wicked man, goes about with crooked speech, winks with his eyes, signals with his feet, points with his finger, with perverted heart, devises evil, continually sowing discord. Or Proverbs 10, verse 10. Whoever winks the eye causes trouble. And then Proverbs 16, verse 30. Whoever winks his eyes plans dishonest things. He who purses his lips brings evil to pass. <clears throat> I remember when I was a student, still a young guy, unmarried. There was a, a, a young woman, she was engaged to another man, but she winked at me. She winked with her eye, she winked at me. And I looked away and I thought, I. See correctly, and I looked at her again, and she winked at me again. And later on, I found out that she had caught quite a few men that way. And so, I'm really thankful that the Lord protected me. Uh, so, there you have an illustration of nonverbal communication. Nonverbal communication obviously can come in different forms. I've already mentioned some, for instance, your, your tone of voice. So let's just take this, these words, come here. Now you can say that in different ways. How would you say come here if you are angry at someone? Just think of a mother shouting at her children, come here. Uh, how would you say the, word, the, the words come here if you want to seduce someone, you want to mislead them, you want to seduce them into maybe sexual immorality? Uh, you would say come here. Oh, maybe that's not correct but you can try it at home um, or maybe don't, don't try this at home um, another way to say come here is or how would, you, how would you say the words come here if you meet an old friend at the airport you haven't seen one another in many years this is the first time you're going to see this friend you would say come here and you run toward each other and embrace or uh, how would you say those words if you are really sad and you, want, you need a hug uh, and you're crying, uh, you would call the person and say, come here. How would you say, come here, if if you challenging someone to a fight? It's like you want to say, come here. You even use your finger, calling them closer. Come here. And you show them where to stand, dare to cross that line. How would you say, come here, if you've got a surprise for someone? If you want to tell someone a secret, you would whisper and just, nod with your head or wink with your eye or just a little nudge of the neck or the head and you'd say you just whisper okay question let's let's test you what do people communicate with the following non-verbal actions What what does someone communicate? His arms are folded, an angry face, and he turns his back to you while you are talking to him. What does someone communicate when he doesn't laugh at your dirty joke? Someone tells a dirty joke, he doesn't laugh. What does he communicate when he never shows up for his child's sport, sporting events? What do you communicate when you're always late? You, you're you always an hour or two late when friends invite you. What do you communicate when your sister asks you a question and you don't answer it? You just keep on reading your book. You, you ignore it. What are you communicating when someone talks to you and you don't look them in the eye? you Staring at other things, you're looking at the birds, you're looking at the flowers, you're looking at the cars passing by, at other people standing, chatting. What do you communicate when you avoid eye eye contact? So someone asks you, you, are you telling the truth? And you avoid eye contact, you look at your shoes. What are you communicating when you change the subject? As soon as someone gets onto this topic, they want to talk to you about your relationship with the Lord, you change the subject. You do it all the time. What are you communicating? What are you communicating when you ignore someone's phone call? You never answer their calls. You don't answer their WhatsApps. You don't greet them. What are you communicating when you smile at someone and you greet them with friendliness? What do you communicate when... You give them gifts and you remember their birthday every year. Or you always helpful and you love sharing with them. What are you communicating when you burst out crying and you stomp off and leave the room? What are you communicating when you write letters and you hug the person and you give them a, a kiss and you tell them... I just love being with you. You don't even say that. That's exactly what you're communicating. What are you communicating when you give them the silent treatment? Speak to the hand. What are you communicating when you roll your eyes and you you sigh? Now, I didn't give the answers to those. You can figure them out, and I'm sure that you got most of them right. But don't assume you always know what someone means with nonverbal communication. For instance, in 1 Samuel 1, verse 12 to 16 years, Hannah, she's weeping, she's crying, uh, she's praying to the Lord, but not audibly, she's just moving her lips, and she's very sad because she can't have children. And Eli looks at this woman, seeing her moving her lips, seeing her with this intense expression on her face. He says, Why are you drunk woman? She's not drunk. He assumed he knew what what the nonverbal communication was, was telling him, but he was wrong. I remember the same thing when I was in high school. A friend and I were walking home from school. My sister was walking about 15 meters or 20 meters ahead of us, and she liked this guy. And he told me something funny, and I laughed. And at that moment, my sister looked around, assuming we were laughing at her, and we had been saying things about her and gossiping about her, and she took me on when we got home, saying, why did you gossip about me? Why did you laugh at me? And, and she had missed the whole thing. She, she didn't read, us, read the thing correctly or read the message correctly, uh, the nonverbal message. She missed it all. So don't assume you know what someone means with their nonverbal communication. Ask them to make sure. Ask them, are you angry at me? Or are you feeling sad? Or what are you excited about? Are you excited? So ask them. And then also, also ask other people to help you, especially people who know you well. Ask them to help you. How do I come across when you listen to me or you see my nonverbal verbal f- communication? For instance, my wife, uh, she said at a stage some years ago, she said, you sound very strict when you speak. Even when I speak to the kids, just saying, kids, come here. She says, you sound strict. And that was really a help to me, and I asked her to to tell me and show me when I do so, and she helped me. So if there are areas in your non-verbal communication you see it's not right, ask the Lord for help, ask the Lord for grace, ask Him to show you where you can and must improve, and then also ask the help of others to show that to you, to hold you accountable, and then work on those issues. And then finally for this afternoon, talk enough don't talk too little don't talk too little there was a wife who wanted to get a divorce soon after the kids left home or rather as soon as they left home she decided she's getting a divorce and her husband was shocked he was shocked he came to the counselor and said i don't know where this comes from our marriage has been fine until until now you know i don't ask much of my wife Uh, I really love my wife. I don't fight with her. We never fight with each other. And all I expect of her is to keep the house clean and to cook meals. You know, I come from work. I don't bother anyone. I sit in front of the TV watching my program. I read the newspaper. What's the issue with this woman? What's gone wrong? Now, what has gone wrong? The fact that they never fight probably shows they never talk. And he just sits in front of the TV, TV after... After a day of eight hours at work, he comes home, doesn't talk to his wife, uh, plops in front of the TV or opens his newspaper. He's never communicating with this woman. And how can you build a relationship if you're at work for eight hours and then you come home and you sit in front of the TV? Now, the solution to the problem here is not just to start talking more. You want to ask yourself, why do I not talk enough? And you want to work on that issue. Why? Why do I not talk enough? What's the reason? What's the reason in your case? Perhaps some of you say, you know, I really don't talk enough. I don't communicate to my wife. We don't chat. I don't talk to my kids. Brothers and sisters, we don't talk to each other. What's the, what's the reason? Is it selfishness? You just want to do your own thing you're too lazy to talk maybe because it takes trouble and time and effort. Maybe there's silent treatment because you've had a fight. And so now you don't talk. You're just quiet. Or maybe you're, maybe you're afraid. You've got this, this fear that you're going to sound stupid if you open your mouth. You're going to say things and people are going to think you're done. You're stupid. You can't join the conversation. Or maybe you don't know enough about a certain topic and you think, I can't talk with them, so I'll just keep quiet. Or maybe you're afraid people are going to reject you or your words will come across in a wrong way, or uh, people will use your words against you. Are you going to say this? I know. They're going to say, yes, but you said, and they'll use the words against me later on. Maybe you're too busy. You don't have time to chat. You don't have time to talk. Or perhaps you do talk enough, but only when it comes to certain topics. You just don't want to talk about it, because you know it's going to cause trouble. So you don't talk about money in your marriage. You don't talk about sex. You don't talk about the discipline of the children. This is just going to cause issues. Let's keep quiet. I want to suggest you pray about the matter. Pray about the matter and where you've gone wrong, confess. Confess to the Lord and say, Lord, uh, I've sinned by being selfish or by being lazy or by being too busy, not having time to talk. And then tell yourself you have to talk. You have to talk. If you're going to build other people up, you can't keep your mouth shut all the time and be quiet. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 18. Paul says, therefore, encourage one another with these words. 5 verse 11, therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. You cannot encourage other people if you don't use words, if you don't talk, if you're quiet. So start, start using open-ended questions. So open-ended questions would mean, don't ask questions that, can, that simply demand the answer of no or yes. So don't say to someone, did you have a good day? Then they can just say yes or no. Ask them, how was your day? Tell me about your day. What happened? Now they are forced to talk more. Or um, so, do you like coffee? No. No. Or yes, no, that's a closed-ended question. Make it open-ended. Say, so, uh, tell me about the best coffee you've ever had. What was it like? And now they have to talk a little more. So you're learning to ask questions. You're not doing all the talking. You're asking questions, and people are talking, and you're learning to listen first. And then you yourself then can talk and respond to what they say. And then also increase your knowledge. Read the Bible. Grow in your knowledge of the Word. Watch documentaries. Uh, Read non-fiction books. Not fiction, not stories. Non-fiction, factual books where you can learn. And you learn facts and then you can start talking. When other people talk, you can talk too because you've got some knowledge. Proverbs 24 verse 7 Wisdom is too high for a fool in the gate. He does not open his mouth. But you can open your mouth. You can talk. And then also, and I'm closing with this tonight. The conference table. Uh, The conference table is something Jay Adams discusses in his book, Competent to Counsel. Uh, The conference table is where families come together and they've got communication problems. And so they force themselves to sit around a table each evening after dinner or uh, an hour before they go to bed, 40 minutes before they go to bed. They sit around a table, let's say the kitchen table, And the the whole family must be there, every member of the the family. And then the dad or the leader of the house, which is the father, or if there's no dad, the mom, she starts or he starts by reading a passage of Scripture and then by praying for them. And then they they stick to the rules of biblical communication. No lying, no shouting, no uh, getting angry, losing your temper, uh, no backbiting, No sharp words, no sarcasm and so on. And so each one gets a chance to talk. And so let's start with mom tonight. And mom starts and all she does is she talks about her day. What happened and all the others have to listen. And then your turn, little brother. You talk now and tell us about your day. What happened? What did you enjoy? What made you sad and so on? And so you go. And if there are any problems, if there are any issues, then try to resolve those issues and pray about those issues. And if someone gets offended while the discussion is going, he must get up, stand up, and then everyone knows, okay, we've said something that was offensive, that was wrong. The person sits down and then the father leads and they discuss that. And so the family, if they keep on doing that every day, they are learning to communicate. They're learning to talk. And that really works. I gave this homework to a couple who had some marriage issues And they started the conference table and they came back saying, when I asked how did the conference table go, they would say, it worked really well, worked really well. Actually, uh, it's like you can't get home enough quickly. You want to get home to have the conference table and chat and talk to one another. And then this couple also said, it's amazing how quickly you start living past each other. You live in one house, but you never talk. And so the conference table helped them to start communicating. You see, to to communicate biblically, it doesn't come naturally. It doesn't come naturally. It can't come naturally because the fountain of our words, the heart in other words, it's soiled by sin. It's been polluted by sin. Our hearts have been polluted. But if God changes your heart, if God gives you a new heart, then you can communicate biblically it's logical, is it not? It's logical that if the fountain is clean, the streams that issue from that fountain, the streams that flow forth from that fountain will also be clean. So if the heart is clean, how can it be anything else and anything other than that your words will also be pure? Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for grace upon grace, for great mercy and compassion to poor sinful creatures like us. O Lord, help us, we pray. Help us that our communication will change, that our communication will honor you and will please you and will be edifying and uplifting and encouraging to others who hear us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.